But we are continuing with our Matthew series. Hasn't it been great? Haven't you learned a lot about Matthew? I hope many of you are going through that daily devotional on Matthew because I know that you will be really inspired and God will speak to you because the Bible is the authoritative word of God and it's the primary way through which God speaks to us as his children. So Lord, as we continue with this series, I just ask for great grace upon our congregants, Lord God, upon every one of us, upon me, upon our leaders, Lord God, to just hear your word, to understand you more, Lord God. The the cry of my heart this morning is that you would be unveiled to us, that we would see you more as you really are, Lord God, that we would be able to step into our destiny in greater measure, more confident of your presence with us, more confident in your miraculous power on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we are looking at the book of Matthew. I'm going to be talking about today a walk on the God side. It's kind of like a walk on the wild side. It's just better. So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at a portion of Scripture that we'll turn to in a moment in Matthew 14. But before we do that, I want you to imagine with me something. I want you to imagine... uh, a professor that you had at university or a school teacher that you had at school. And, you know, they were a particular way, very serious about the topic, very professional, perhaps a little bit distant. And then one day you went to a relative's birthday party and there was your professor. And this professor in a social environment turned out to be this fun-loving, creative, great person. And you just had a whale of a time with them. And as you're sitting at that social event, you're asking yourself this question, I never really knew my professor. I knew him as one way, but it turns out that there's so much more to him, that when I see him in a different role, when I see him in a different light, he just looks completely different to me. And I feel so much of that is true about God, is that we grow up in environments and we are presented with a certain picture of God. And then as we're reading the Bible, we see God operating in completely different circumstances. And when we look at it, we have to say, oh, wow, I didn't know God like that. I didn't understand him like that. I didn't know that that was possible. And part of us going through this book of Matthew is just that very thing, that God would unveil himself to us, that we would see him in a new light, that we would be able to understand him more clearly, know him more exactly, walk with him more closely. And I'm hopeful that this particular story will do that for you. So you can open your Bibles and you can turn with me to Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. It says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. He's just fed the 5,000, so there was a huge crowd there. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against him. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. 
Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind down, died down. Then those who were, in, who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. A little while back, I heard some stories of some people who'd, who'd actually been in certain missionary situations around the world and had had to get to the other side of a lake or to across a body of water and actually read this passage and said, well, we have no other means, so we're just going to trust God. And, and they actually walked across the water to wherever they had to go. So, you know, I was just thinking about how practice makes perfect. So one day... I, th I, we were sitting around the pool. It was a very fun, hot day. And I said to myself, you know what? What have I got to lose? I'm just, just going to try it out. So I just, I, I went to myself. I said, Lord Jesus, you're with me. Let's give this a bash. And then I was about to step onto the pool. And I remember I had my cell phone in my pocket. So I was like, oh no. So I took my cell phone and I gave it to my son. My son grabbed my... Uh, my cell phone with me and handed it back to me. He said, no, mom, if you've got real faith, faith you'll keep your cell phone in your pocket. <laughs> and I, I, guys, I have to confess, I, had, I didn't have the faith for it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'll try it without my cell phone, but not with my cell phone. So I did put my cell phone on the side and I tried and it didn't work. And clearly it was because I didn't have enough faith. So this summer, who knows what God's going to do? Who knows? <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, this is one of those stories in the Bible that just blows my mind. It blows my mind because think about this. Think about this. Jesus has just fed 5,000. It's been the most miraculous afternoon. He dismisses the crowds. He sends his disciples in the boat to go to another city. Then he goes up a mountain to pray, one of the other gospels says. And he's watching them. And the, in, the, in the book of Mark, it says that he could notice that they were being buffeted by the wind. He, he could notice that they were straining against the oars. He could actually see them in the lake battling. And then, in light of that, he comes down the mountain. And, you know, I don't know you know, all that much about physics at this stage. But, you know, there are a number of ways he could have got, on, got over that lake. He could have, first of all, just got a boat. You understand that? I mean, he could have easily just got a boat. The place the disciples were going to was not that far away. He could have walked on the shore. He would have probably got there quicker. But he decides, for some reason, to walk on the water to the boat. They were three and a half miles out from shore. That means at normal human work, walking pace, he was walking for an hour before he got to the boat. Now, here's the thing. If you can walk on water, you can fly over water. I mean, I clearly, clearly, he was choosing this. And then to make matters even more wild is that the book of Mark talks about how he was just going to walk past their boat. You know, it's like, it's like he was going to go, hi, guys. <laughs> you know, enjoy all that rowing. Bye. See you on the other side. 
<laughs> I, just, I just read this story and my mind boggles. And it makes me realize maybe there's some things about Jesus I just don't know. But we pick up the story and, and Peter, who's just, you know, so passionate about Jesus, he's that impulsive one that, you know, he jumps in before anyone's even thought about the consequences. He's just like, hey, Jesus. He's calling out to him. And the rest of the story unfolds. But I want to take us back just one step to that moment when the disciples see Jesus walking to them. And, you know, you know it's easy to judge those disciples in the in the New Testament and say, gosh, what was their problem? I mean, they're crying out, oh my word, it's a ghost. They've been with Jesus for many years. And you know, it's almost like, what were you doing believing in ghosts? You know, why was that the first thing that came to mind? But nonetheless it is, they cry out, it's a ghost. But I wonder what we would think if we were sitting in a boat and someone came walking across the water. I, I wanna, I would imagine I'd be pretty terrified. They cry out, and obviously they are in fear, and, and that's the first thing that kind of grabs Jesus. Because instead of walking right by the boat, he stops, and he speaks to them. And he says this, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. We're going to look at the three things that Jesus said in this story, this being the first one. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. In essence, he was saying, see me. I'll show you how this works. But that phrase, when he says, it is I, it's a, in English it sounds like kind of like a nondescript kind of little sentence stuck in the middle there. But to a Jewish mind, it was revolutionary. Because the Greek is ego I me. Are there any Greek people here? Oh no. How did I do? <laughs> she says I'm doing okay. You know, it's just like when you see these Greek words, it's been how on earth do you actually pronounce that thing? I think I got the, the ego right. She's nodding. I'm okay. So in Greek, it's the phrase or the sentence, ego I me. You gain, you're saying, what does that mean? Well, this is the exact same phrase when the Pharisees were questioning Jesus and he talked about how um, he was with Abraham when, you know, right at the beginning. And they, and they say, how can you have known Abraham? You know, you're so young. And he, say, he makes this phrase, he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answers, before Abraham was born, I am. Ego aini. And you know what it says? The Pharisees picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because they were mad. They were angry because that is the Greek form of the name of God, Yahweh. I am that I am. And Jesus at that moment was standing before the Pharisees and saying, guys, of course I knew Abraham. I'm Yahweh. I mean, it was the most explicit demonstration or statement of his Godhead, and it drove them wild. It drove them wild. The phrase is taken from Exodus 3.14 where Moses met God in the burning bush. You remember that story? And God was sending him back to Egypt to liberate the Israelites. And Moses asked, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. 
And that from then on became the covenant name of God to the Israelites, Yahweh. The, the Hebrew I am is Yahweh, or it's a, a version of that. When they translated the Old Testament into Greek, which is the Old Testament that all of the disciples would have been using, they translated that phrase I am as ego I me. Jesus walks past. They are freaked out. They are thinking they're seeing ghosts. They're like, oh my word, we've been straining against the wind. We've been trying to do what Jesus asked us to do. We're battling. It's difficult. And here comes this apparition upon water. We cry out in fear. And he stands there and says, ego, I me. I am. Take courage. I am. Do not be afraid. The disciples sitting in that boat are suddenly looking at the manifestation of God on earth. And he's standing on water, doing what only God can do. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus stilled the storm, also in a boat. Do you remember that two weeks back from Matthew 8? And you remember what the Jesus, what the Jesus, what the disciples asked at the end of that story. They asked this, they said, who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? I want to propose to you that Jesus was answering their question. That in a similar situation on the sea, he was bringing them back to the place and he was showing them, this is who I am that even the wind and the waves obey me. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just the, the pal that feeds 5,000 with so much left over that we could feed ourselves for a week afterwards. I'm not just the fun-loving guy that, that walks between towns with you. I am God himself come down to invade this earth, change the world, inaugurate a new kingdom, bring about a new reality, set things right. I have come to set the world right. So they're sitting in the boat. The story unfolds. And right at the end of the story, they fall down in the faces and they say, truly, you are the Son of God. I don't know what that phrase, Son of God, means to you, but I've often felt slightly confused about it. If you've ever tried to witness to a Muslim person, it's a huge stumbling block for any Muslim person coming in because they're saying, how can God have children? That's just blasphemous. Does that mean that he had sexual relationships with someone? And they just, it freaks them out. But when you understand what that phrase meant to a Jewish mind of the time, son of God didn't mean like the offspring of God. Son of God literally, literally meant the, the physical manifestation of God on earth. So they called their kings in times of old sons of God. Interestingly enough, all the Caesars in the Greco-Roman world of that time, once the Caesar died, he became known as a god. And then the new Caesar was the son of God. And that was literally the manifestation of the rule and reign of power on earth. And he was worshipped as God himself. 
So when the disciples fell down on their faces and they were saying, you are the son of God, they weren't saying you kind of like the offspring of God. They were saying you are God himself manifested on earth, but here to rule and reign. You're, you're God as an earthly king. They were saying you're, you're the, the fullness of all that God is manifested here to rule and reign over all the earthly institutions. To be the one that establishes God's rule and reign here on earth. That's what son of God meant to the Jewish people. It meant an earthly king who was God himself. So Jesus in all of this is really walking out of the water. And his, I mean, I, can't, I, I wasn't there. I didn't get to ask him this question. But from the story, I can just see that it's one of his primary purposes was to stand before the disciples and show them that he was God. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? The God of creation has come to us in Jesus. The God of creation has come to us in Jesus. I can tell you for the disciples, this was a wow moment. Do you know this? There was one other instance right, right back when Jesus called Nathaniel and he acknowledged Jesus as the son of God in that time. But this is the first time collectively in all the records of the gospels that the disciples sat together and looked at Jesus and said, you're the son of God. You're God himself. This was the moment it came to them. This was the moment it came to him that he, he wasn't just a good preacher. He wasn't just a fantastic rabbi. He wasn't just a miracle worker. This was God himself come to earth to save us. The next thing is Peter and Jesus have this interaction and Peter asks, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus calls out, come. Just one word, come. What's interesting to me is that the story kind of relates how, how they were really working hard in that boat. We can see verse 48, it says, When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Sorry, this is Mark 6. Straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. Now, from the original Matthew version, he only sent them out on the boat when evening came. The fourth watch of the night is 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. That means from the, uh, from the evening of the previous day, all through the night, until 3 or later in the morning, these disciples have been working against the winds and waves. They've obviously pulled the sail down because the wind was going in the opposite direction, and they've been working on these oars the whole night to go three and a half miles. They were exhausted. I mean, they, they probably pulling against this all. Jesus told us to go the other side. We're going to do this no matter what happens. And you know, it's just hard. It's a nightmare. They just keep going. And then these ghosts coming towards them. I mean, it's just, it's crazy stuff. And then Jesus is just walking on the water. 
I don't know how long it took him to get there, but, but hour, an hour at the most. And, you know, just clearly he's doing with great ease what he asked them to do. That's really tough for them. And, you know, Peter stands and he says, you know, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus say, says, come. You know, it was more than just an adventure. It was more than just Peter stepping out of the boat to kind of like, you know, see if I can do it too. Jesus was inviting him into another way of obedience. Jesus was saying to him, you know, you can work really hard to get this thing done. Well, how about you step out the boat, you step, up, step out of all your own wise ideas, your great efforts. You step out of all of that and you come do it with me. And then we're going to walk over this lake like it was dry land. We're going to leave the wind and waves behind us. We're going to have a joyous, glorious adventure together, doing with great joy that very thing that you were doing with great difficulty. This was Jesus calling you and me. This is Jesus calling you and me. Out from the mundane, difficult, duty-bound, just, oh, just got to get this done into the glorious adventure of walking with him over impossible situations as if they were the easiest terrain. This is him standing in your office and saying, how about you try a new way? How about come and do this with me? How about you listen for me speaking to you and you follow me? This is you standing him standing in your family and saying, instead of fighting one more time, instead of trying to get this done your way, trying all your wise techniques, trying all your um, excellent arguing skills, how about, how about you come walk with me over the water? How about you and I do this together? How about I tell you what to say? How about we change this environment together. This is him standing in your exam and saying, thank you for working so hard. How about we do this exam together? How about we tackle this relationship together? How about we tackle this job together? How about we walk on water together? Because you were called to be a water walker, a storm stiller, a crowd feeder. You were called to do the works of Jesus. This is Jesus saying, I am God himself, but that's not the only reason I came. I'm manifesting my glory, my power, but I'm calling you to walk with me. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The power I carry is for you too, is for you too. Jesus affirms Peter's desire to experience more than his own efforts can accomplish. 
to walk on water, you have to leave the comfort of your boat. I'm so sorry. You know, it's like, I, th I feel like we want it both ways. You know, I feel like we want comfort, the way we know it, the good old ways, and we want the power and the glory of God. You know, we, sorry to all you married couples, it's just the first example that came to mind. We want to fight with our spouse and we want to have a glorious marriage. <laughs> Not Andrew and me, we never ever shout at each other. Because I just stand up and look at him and he does what I say. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's not how it works at all. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we want to do it the way we're comfortable, the way we've always known, even though it's hard and difficult. But, but it's the easier way because it's sure and it's known. And then we read the exploits of the disciples. Or we read the stories of people doing great things around the world. And we say, well, I want those too. But don't, Lord, don't take me on my boat. Don't let me leave Joburg. Don't put me in that new relationship. Don't, don't require anything of me. You don't get to walk on water unless you step out the boat. You don't get both. Choose. And I want to say to you, it's always better out the boat. It's scary, it's wild, it's crazy, but Jesus is there. To walk with Jesus, you're going to have to ignore the wind and the waves. I've learned this over the years. I've been in ministry 30 years. I've been a human being for 50 plus years. I've had some experience in life. And some of these things I, I have come to learn is that the possibilities of how bad anything can be seldom are true. And if you just keep walking in obedience to what Jesus tells you, those bad things seldom happen. But in every situation, in every new situation you encounter, there is a devil who will come at you with winds and waves, and those winds and waves are continuously telling you, you will never make it, you're going to drown, this is going to be a disaster, they won't listen to you, they won't follow you, this won't happen. And you have a choice. Do I listen to the words of Jesus that said, come, or do I listen to the winds and the waves? And really, I've discovered this time and time again, that I don't have to know all the answers. I don't even know have to, I don't even have to answer the winds and the waves. I don't even have to refute them. I just have to keep walking. I just have to keep remembering that Jesus said, come. That Jesus said, come. And if he said, come, I'm just going to keep going. And I have discovered that those crazy bosses, those, those difficult people, they have a way of just after a while being quiet. Those difficult circumstances, that, that door that wouldn't open, when you get there for some reason that you can't even tell why, it just flies open. The first time I preached a sermon, 
someone I really respected came and told Andrew, oh, Carol must never do that again. She's just not anointed for it. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't think Andrew was supposed to tell me, but he did. <laughs> and you know, at that moment, I had to, I had to say, am I going to listen to the wind or the waves or am I going to listen to the Jesus who said, come? And I'm so happy I listened to the Jesus. I'm so happy I listened to his voice. Because winds and waves lie. Winds and waves tell you anything to get you back in that boat. Haley, you're my friend. So great. And Jesus turns to them. Peter, you know, he walks and he... He does it for a while. I mean, I would, I would give a lot to do two steps on water. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just not, I'm not judging Peter at all. I think those two steps were pretty phenomenal. But he does his however many steps. He starts noticing the wind and waves, and he starts sinking, and Jesus has to rescue him, which is a really great thing. Even if you get out the boat and it doesn't work, Jesus will be there. That's good news. It's good news. And Jesus says to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And sometimes that sounds like a rebuke. But you know, you can also look at it a little way, a different way. You can also look at it Jesus saying, oh my gosh, you could have made it. You could have done it. You, you can look at it a different way. Instead of Jesus rebuking him, Jesus looking in his heart saying, don't worry. Next time, just don't doubt and it'll be fine. You'll get it next time. There's a great scripture, Philippians 1, 3 and 6, and it says this, I thank my God every time I remember you, Paul speaking to the Philippians, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, when God starts something in you, when he says that word come, he will keep going, keep working with you, keep walking with you, keep speaking to you until you're walking on water. He will complete what he has begun. Don't give up. Don't give up. So it didn't work out last time. Try again. Get out of the boat again. Do it again. Because this time you'll go four steps. Next time you'll go eight steps. And before you know it, you'll be walking across lakes all over the place. Mark 6 tells us this about Jesus. It says, And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. That's pretty phenomenal. I mean, that's mind-blowing anointing. That's just, you know, if Jesus is in the room, if Jesus walks into your town, you're going to be healed. You don't even have to speak to him. You just have to get near him. And because Jesus is there, everything, because the manifestation of God has come to earth, then everything in his vicinity must conform to the way God made it. Everything shoots back to its created order. order. Everything comes back to the way God designed it. People are healed. Relationships are healed. Things are changed. Confidence comes. Hope comes. And this Peter who in his like almost youthful enthusiasm just sh shouts out, if it's you, let me come to you. You know, just, just jumping at every opportunity. 
and not really making it so well, but just continuing to follow Jesus, even after this, you know, just going after Jesus and doing what he sees, sees him doing and watching him and learning him, learning from him, should I say. Later in Acts 5, it says of him, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Can you see what Peter did? He didn't give up. He kept on walking after Jesus. He kept on saying to Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come and I'll come. And he kept on trying and he went at it again and again and again. And what ended up happening is eventually he walked with Jesus on water. He did the works that God does. He did the works of the kingdom. He lived in the anointing and grace that Jesus carried. Because in his heart, he knew a Jesus that was God and friend, who was God and teacher, who was a God who didn't just come to lord himself over everyone, but he was a God who came to make a way for us to be like him. He was a God who came and made a way for us to be reconciled to him so that we would never have to walk alone so that from then onwards, all circumstances are like a beautiful path ahead no matter how rocky or watery they are under your feet. They are solid and firm because you're walking with Jesus. A God who came to show us a new way. And Peter knew that this is what Jesus was doing, and he walked with him. In conclusion, nothing is impossible for Jesus. Every challenge is an opportunity to know God more and to see more of his miraculous power through you. You were born to walk on water. You were born to still storms. You were born to feed thousands with very little resources. You were born to change the world. I don't know what your circumstances are, but I know this. There is a Jesus standing outside of your circumstances, and he is saying to you, come. He's saying to you, come. There's a Jesus standing in your world, and he is manifesting the power of glory in God, and he is declaring over your circumstances, there is another way. Come walk with me in the power and the goodness and the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I want to ask for everyone here, Lord God, when we read these stories, when we read these stories, Lord God, it makes our heart hunger to be those kind of people. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone here for just more courage, more bravery, more revelation of who you are. Lord God, I want to ask that not one of them would be those who sit in the boat. But every one of them would be those who step out of the boat and answer his call by walking to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No matter how hard the circumstances, no matter how difficult the environment, no matter how loud the wind and the waves, that we would be the people that would get out the boat. We would be the people who get out the boat. Thank you, Lord. 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 I want to pray for two categories of people. 
I want to pray first of all for a category of people where, where you know that God is calling you to do something different. Now, I want to qualify this. I don't feel like walking on water or getting out of the boat is just randomly letting go of all wisdom and just doing random acts of madness. I feel like getting out of the boat means answering the call of Jesus to do what he's called you to do, even though it's difficult. That's what getting out of the boat means. And some of you here, you've heard Jesus call you to do something. You've heard him speak something into your heart. And you want, to, you want to get out of the boat and you want to do it. Perhaps you even have gotten out of the boat and you're doing it. But you know, the wind and the waves, they're very loud right now. And if that's you, I, w- I would love you to just raise your hand because I want to pray for you for just, just a move of God in your life, for just more of His presence, enabling you to do what you could not do before. So if that's you, you're out the boat or you're in the boat and you know you have to get out the boat, just raise your hands high because you're confident walked, water walkers. Lord God, I just pray for each person here with their hand raised. And I just declare over them, grace, grace, the power of God manifested. More of your presence with them. Your voice loudly speaking to their souls, speaking to their hearts. Lord God, I declare to everyone, this voice, you can do it. God is with you. There is success ahead of you. There is hope ahead of you. There is glory ahead of you. God will do above and beyond what you've even asked or thought. I just declare it over you, that you have not even begun to perceive what God has for you as you step out the boat and walk towards Him. I just want to propose and speak over your heart that there is glory ahead. There is glory ahead. There is glory ahead. Do not grow weary. Take the next step. Take the next step and take the step after it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, right now, would you fill them with a gift of faith? Lord God, I speak into their hearts. Receive faith from your Father. A gift of faith. A gift of faith. The ability to believe like they have never believed before. Lord God, I prophesy over them miracles, signs and wonders. I prophesy over you with your hand raised that you are called to walk on water. You are called to do miracles. Signs and wonders follow you. Signs and wonders follow you. Thank you, Lord. 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 I just feel the Spirit resting on you. I'm just going to wait a little moment because I I want Him to finish His work. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Where you are, just receive that. And if you didn't have your hands raised, just receive something anyway. Anyway, Why not? Thank you, Lord. I just feel Him filling you. I feel the reassurance of your Father saying you belong. You matter. You're significant. You were born for this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. then there's a second group of people those of you with your hands raised you can just continue to receive even as I carry on because there's no limit to God you can never get to the end of his goodness but there's another category of category of people here and you you know you may have been around the church for a long time or maybe this is your first time here I'm not sure but you know if you If you're honest, 
with yourself. It's not, it's not even so much about getting out of the boat or being in the boat, but it's, it's more about being known as a Jesus person. It's more about saying no to your own efforts to make a life for yourself and saying, actually, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to be in charge. I've been in charge of my life long enough and now I want Jesus in charge. I don't want to depend on myself anymore, but I want to depend on Him to lead me, to guide me, to take me forward. And if that's you, and you, you want to make a change to how your life is governed, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand where you are because I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here and you just know? I'm going to ask those of you who've got your hands raised to receive from God just to lower them so I don't do the altar call with you as well. But if you just, you here and you know you, you need more of Jesus, you need Him to be in charge, is there anyone here that needs that? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that you know you need to make a change? Thank you. Is there anyone else that needs that? You know you need to surrender and you need to say, Jesus, you've been knocking at my door for a long time. It's time for you to be in charge. I surrender to you. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Church, can we all pray this together? Lord Jesus, I come to you. And Lord, I confess that I've lived my life my own way. And Lord, I want to repent of that. And I want to turn to you. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I acknowledge you as the one who bought me with a price. Lord God, I give my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Church, I'm going to ask if you can all stand. And there were two people who raised their hands. I would love you to please come forward just as a way of saying that you, um, you are committed to this, this new course of action. So come on forward. Come on forward. Let's give them a hand as they come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we extend our hands and pray, church? Lord Jesus, we just come here. Lord God, and we pour out our, we ask that you would pour out your spirit on this beautiful, incredible woman of God. Lord God, we ask that you would, Father God, you would change her life. We welcome her to our family, Lord God, and we say bless her in every way. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Thank you, great woman. I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind going with Kling here. She has something she wants to give you. You'll be back in a very short amount of time. Can we give her a hand as she goes? Church, have a glorious, glorious day. Can you smell Christmas cookies in the air? Have a really great afternoon. May the Lord be with you. Have a wonderful time with your family.